BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. How do I ask my boss for a raise? I'm so jealous of my coworker's promotion. I just don't know what to do. Is there a good way to brag about my accomplishments? Careers are complicated, and there are so many hush-hush topics we're told we can't talk about. That's why you have the Career Contessa podcast. I'm your host, Lauren McGoodwin, and each week I'm joined by experts to help you overcome your workplace woes with actionable advice that you can use today. Subscribe to the Career Contessa podcast and make progress in your career every Tuesday. I'm Caroline Stanbury, star of The Real Housewives of Dubai. I'm remarried and living my best life ever. See, there's so much life after divorce. I'm starting my new chapter unapologetically. I'm bringing real stories, real life, real talk on all things that aren't said between each other, society, the sheets, and everything in the middle. And lucky me, you'll be joining me on the journey. Listen to all new episodes every Wednesday. So buckle up. So welcome back to another episode of Divorce Not Dead. And I'm particularly excited about this one because I'm, first of all, I'm doing it with my husband. Hello, everybody. And I'm welcoming Vanessa and Zander. And Vanessa is New York bestselling author and a sex therapist of 20 years experience. Zander's just a regular dude. So welcome <laughs> to the podcast. I'm very excited for this one because we're going to ask you everything. Thanks for having us. We're excited to answer everything. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to it. Well, first of all, how did this come about? I mean, you're obviously, I mean, a couple, I would hope. And you've been married how long? <laughs> We've been married for 11 years together for 15. Mm -hmm. So how did the podcast come about? Because, I mean, this is a this is quite something to go into as a couple. Like what prompted yeah. <laughs> you to do this? Or is it just because, Sandra, you lived with a sex therapist that you got used to it? <laughs> <laughs> well, we wrote a book together called Sex Talks. That's the New York Times bestseller that you mm -hmm. mentioned. And the reason that I became a sex therapist is because of my parents' attempt at giving me the talk. Like so many people, it was very awkward and uncomfortable. And that moment really stuck with me of why is it so uncomfortable to talk about sex? Like I, I had questions. I want to talk about it. I want to know things about it. 
And so I decided to pursue a career in sex therapy many years later, got started down that path. And Xander originally was in the corporate world. He had no freaking clue that he was eventually going to be part of a sex therapy business. Yeah, I, I never imagined I'd have anything to do with this. I thought it was really cool what Vanessa was doing. I thought it was particularly cool to tell my friends, hey, I'm dating a sex therapist. <laughs> I'm married to a sex therapist. But you know, I was working in the corporate world. I was working at Google and just got really burned out on the corporate thing. I wasn't really sure what kind of impact I was making in the world. And I'd come home every day and see what she was doing. I was like, that's so cool. So I took some time off to figure things out. She got me involved piece by piece in a couple work projects. And pretty soon, I kind of just happened into being the COO of her business. And slowly but surely, she'd start to get on me like, hey, do an Instagram story with me or you know, do a coaching call for one of our courses. Probably just like me. how you got Sergio to do this podcast episode with you. <laughs> like, come on, babe, let's do it. Yeah. And I was like, no one wants to hear from me. I've got no training. I've got no experience. I've just, you know, watched my wife go through grad school, get licensed, build up a one-on-one -on -one practice, build an online business. And she's like, no, it's not about your experience. It's about you just being a guy, you being a husband you being a regular person that is working on your sex life too. Like it's one thing to hear from the expert. I think it's another to hear from a real couple like, hey, this is what's going on in our life. This is how we, you know, attack this issue. This is how we've resolved things. And, you know, this might work for you. So that's kind of how I got involved too. Yeah. So now we have this business where we, our mission is to help couples keep the spark alive in long-term relationships. So we have a podcast, we have a book, we have guides and courses where we teach couples how to have more fun with sex. So let me just get this straight. So you're, you start, you're, how old when you, you, when you met? We were 22 and 23. We were very young when we met. And you were already studying to be a sex therapist. Yeah, I decided right around 17, 18 that I wanted to try to figure out how to pursue this career in sex therapy. So I started right away doing internships, doing re getting involved in research projects, very low level, but it gave me a little bit of a sense of, oh, okay, I can do something like this for a career. So I, yeah, started studying it at 18. Well, I think my question is like, what, how do you feel like as the man coming into this, like pressure wise, like, do you, do you feel like you're expected to do gymnastics that you're expected to know everything at that <laughs> exactly age? Gonna ask that. Yeah. Cause I feel like young, <laughs> young guys don't know anything about sex other than there's somewhere to put it. Just like, picture my wife, she knows everything about sex. Like how would I feel like, you know, are you insinuating yeah. I don't, you know, how yeah, well, <laughs> it was so at first, it definitely was a lot of pressure. It was, you know, I, I thought it was cool that she was a sex therapist. Like I said, I thought it was cool to tell my friends that. And I thought it was cool to talk with her about the stuff that she was, you know, working with other people on. I definitely didn't want to kind of turn the microscope around on me and talk about my, you know, our own sex life, because that felt really intimidating. I felt like as, as a man, I felt like my job in a relationship was to be really good at sex, to know what I'm doing, even though nobody taught me how to do it. I just, you know, muddled around <laughs> trying to figure things out. And so it felt intimidating for me to be like, hey, I'm open to trying some new things. I'm open to learning something new. I'm open to admitting that I may not, you know, be the very best person <laughs> in the world at sex. And so it took a really long time and took a lot of struggles, you know, of us struggling with sex drive, mismatched sex drive, performance anxiety, and stuff like that, before I really realized that I was way better served being open to 
to talking about it, open to trying new things, open to couples therapy, for example, you know, in, in all in service of having a way better sex life and a way better relationship. Well, I think one of the reasons that we're so passionate about doing this work together is we had that very predictable pattern that pretty much every couple in a long-term relationship has. Like things were super hot and heavy when we started, like the chemistry was undeniable. And then you get a couple years into the relationship and things are slowing down and like nothing is horribly wrong or nothing huge is going on, but it's just that sense of like, Oh, what happened to us? Like we used to have so much chemistry. We used to have so much fun. And so we got through that period in our mm-hmm. relationship and now have the sex life that feels so amazing and connecting and exciting. But we know what it's like to go through that, that period of doubt. Like, why is this feeling like so much more work right now? Are you a therapist or who, who leads the ride? <laughs> no, no, we're nobody's anybody's therapist here. And I think we also, we just like to be really open and upfront about the mm-hmm. fact that every couple goes through ups and downs in their sex life. It doesn't matter how much you love each other, how attracted you are to each other. Like you're going to have times where sex feels a little bit routine. It feels a little bit predictable. So we both just keep talking to each other through it, keep mm-hmm. exploring new things together, but also normalizing like okay to have those little ebbs and flows. Well, I found like, I mean, I find that, you know, especially from where I'm from, that most people don't want to talk about sex. And especially, I mean, I, I'm much more open now because this is my second marriage. But if you'd asked me to talk about sex in my first one, I'd have, you know, laughed you out the house. So, you know, how do you sort of break that barrier? Why do people find it so hard to talk about sex in a relationship. I mean, because he's so much younger than me, I didn't find that, I don't have that barrier with Sergio, but so we find it fun and funny. But what what is it that sort of makes couples not want to broach the subject when you're so close anyway? It's so bizarre. It's kind of like a taboo always. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think we don't want to talk about sex because we get this idea that we're not supposed to. I mean, if you think about every sex scene that you've seen on TV, in the movies, of course, in porn, like you never see the characters talking to each other about the sex that they're having or not having, you know, with movies and stuff like that. Or what they each might like or don't like. Yeah, there's no communication. So when we see that exact same scene just played over and over and over again, our entire Higher lives, of course, we're going to internalize like, oh, that's how it's supposed to work. It just happens magically in that moment. We don't have to talk about it. And even this idea that, well, if we have to talk about it, that's a bad thing. Like you only talk about your sex life when something's really wrong. So most people feel very nervous and scared to talk about sex. Plus, I mean, at least, you know, speaking from our perspective, coming from the US, I imagine you may have had the same experience, Carolyn. It was like, Growing up, you know, your parents tried to give you the talk about sex and it probably goes really awkwardly. Pretty much everybody I know, all of my friends had a horribly awkward experience or no talk at all. And the thing is, is you pick up on the fact that your parents are feeling nervous. They're feeling embarrassed. They're feeling awkward about it because they're probably not talking about sex very openly either. And, you know, as kids, as teenagers, we can pick up on that nonverbal stuff. And so we are our first experience having an opportunity to talk about sex is, you know, we feel this awkward, nervous, embarrassed energy. And so of course we take that with us and go, okay, well, you know, all the, all the modeling I had showed me that this is something we don't talk about. And so you go into your relationships with that, that same idea, right? 
But the goal that we want to like achieve with sex talks is helping people realize just like what you guys said, like now you have a relationship. We're talking about sex. It feels fun and funny. There's a lightheartedness to it, right? It's not this like, it has to be exactly. Fun. So like, that's what talking about sex can be like. It doesn't have to be this serious, scary, hard topic. It also, can be flirty and fun. Well, because I mean, if we're, we're honest, so many things can go wrong in sex. Let's face it. More things go wrong than it oh, goes yes. right. So if you don't have the laugh, then it's like, you know, it's like that thing where you can only have sex with the lights off. And if there's any bodily noises, you know, it's a disaster and somebody has to run out the room and all of these things that happens to everyone. And, and you know, it, it, if you're dating, it's like the cardinal thing, things to happen to you and you can never look at the man again. It takes a while to get used to, you know, because for me, I've never been so open, you know, or as open as I am now with Caroline, you know. You were 24 when I met you. I mean, yeah, that's true. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can totally relate with that. I wasn't open with sex at all before I met Vanessa. Honestly, it took me a number of years into our relationship to really open up because the way that I grew up, the way that, you know, my friends and I talked about sex as this idea that as a, as a man, you're supposed to know what you're doing. You're yeah, supposed exactly. to give her a good time, right? Like you're supposed to lead the entire thing. And so then if you don't feel, you know, so, so you get used to doing a couple things that you think work really well, right? And you're like, okay, great. This works. This is what we're going to do. And if, if she brings up something that I don't feel comfortable with, I'm going to get defensive and be like, no, we, we don't want to do that because I might get exposed as not knowing what I'm doing, right? If I've never tried something. And so it's when you're not talking about it, it's so easy to end up just, you know, having narrower and narrower, more boring kind of sex where that just starts to get routine. And then you feel like you're stuck. What do you suggest for couples that have like low sex drive? We're living in somebody's house's house. We're moving tomorrow. So there you go. Help us out. How do you get your sex life back? Because exactly. what, how many times? <laughs> Is the norm like they're the norm? Okay, no, no, that's not you. That's not a fair question. He's 28. His libido is through the roof. I'm 46. And <laughs> mine, I can't, he'll kill me up there if he got what he I wanted. I kind of need, like, you know, like, you know, like a daily, <laughs> you know, ticket ticket. That's how I call it. You know? No, you need like twice a day. <laughs> okay, maybe yes, a little more. <laughs> well, okay. So to answer the question of like, how much is normal? That's one of the most common questions that we get asked. And the, the reality is that there truly is no magic number that's going to work for every couple. A lot of times people want to know because sex feels like this very big complex issue. And if we could boil it down to like a number, just tell me the number that if we're doing it this amount of times per week, like we're okay. But we've, you know, we've talked to people from the widest possible spectrum. So we've talked to people who have sex a couple of times a year and it's really like pleasurable, very connected sex times and a year. they feel satisfied. Yeah, a couple <laughs> times a year and they're totally happy. They're like, this is great. It's great sex. We feel connected. It fills us up. And then we've talked to couples who have sex multiple times a day and they don't feel satisfied. They feel disconnected. So it's really not about the number. It is about the quality of the sex that you're having. What do you feel, yeah. actually, this is a good one, about men, you know, relieving themselves? Relieving themselves? Yes. <laughs> I think that's a great, like, that counts as sex. One of the things that we say in the book is that everything can count as sex. So in, in male-female couples, we Yes, we have you have sex though. eight times a day. That's, that's what happens. <laughs> Oh my in, in male female couples, we do have this tendency to like when we talk about sex, we're just thinking about intercourse, right? Yeah. But the reality is that's 
only one way to have sex. And for a lot of people, intercourse feels like a pretty high bar. If you're exhausted because you're not in your space and you're moving and you're filming all day, like the idea of going from I'm completely exhausted and drained right now to having intercourse, that feels like a really big jump. But if we can expand our definition of sex and realize that any sort of sexual contact counts. So maybe it's literally just one partner keeping the other partner company while they take care of themselves. Maybe you give him little kisses, you talk dirty to him, you guys watch some like erotic movie together. So that that could count. Or maybe it's you guys using your hands on each other, using toys, oral sex. Like there's so many options and those ones can feel easier. This like, is the when you're best exhausted, news. The idea of- I'm actually learning a lot. This is amazing because Caroline hates like and cuddles, but if she can talk dirty to me, I would love that, honey. Let, let me ask oh. you this. Do you have many couples with an age difference like us? Yeah, I mean, we definitely, we have a really diverse community of couples in, in our audience, which is really great. So we've had people with very large age gaps. For sure. And h- how does that work normally? Because as I said, like I have no problem with him using Pamela Palm, got to be honest, but I definitely can't. It no, keep- doesn't really work for me. I mean, I like it, but it's just not the same, you know? I can't yeah, I can't keep the up. Same, but... There's no bloody way. <laughs> I'd have to I'd literally one of my children would go unfed and unclothed. You know, we are so busy the whole day. We are doing 55 million things. Then you get to mm-hmm. you know, to bed and it's like, oh, let's watch a movie then. A, a bit of fun and then sex is just not in the schedule. It just doesn't happen even though if we schedule it, it's just not going to happen. So We are living in someone else's house with paper thin walls. I we are moving tomorrow so we may feel better. How do you get it back? is the question. I think that's his question. We did a scene today in Housewives and they they were like, is the honeymoon phase over? I'm like going, no, it's not over. It's just, I'm not in my own home. There's a situation where we are now. It's just I very stressful, you know. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not an obsession, just keep going. Keep, you can tell us. <laughs> no, I, it's a really valid thing. Like, you know, a lot of us have these things that we like to have in place. I mean, having not being in your own space, feeling like there's no privacy, somebody could hear you, of course, that's going to get in the way. So I think it's one thing that really helps is talking to each other about that. Sometimes what happens is couples get into really tough spots or dry spells in their relationship. And it's like, they don't even want to talk about what's going on. It's sort of, we put our blinders on, like, I just have to get through this really hard period mm-hmm. and then we can deal with things. Yeah. Or or you're thinking like, you know, one partner is thinking in their head, okay, I'm not in my space. So I, I can't have sex because the walls are thin and it's inappropriate. You know, you, you have this whole story built up and you, and, and, and you assume, well, my partner must think they must know the same thing. Like they must be able to read yeah, my mind. He and he, so, he knows what and, I'm thinking. Know, and then, yeah, then one partner, you know, the other partner tries to initiate and then you get really upset because in your mind, you're like, oh, well, we already had this conversation, 100%. even though you How would you feel a conversation about it. So that's why the talking about it <laughs> is so important. So you get it out there. Hey, I'm feeling, I'm noticing, I'm feeling uncomfortable in this other house. I know the walls are fit, are thin. I don't want to offend my friend. And so then How would you're you both feel on if, the same yeah. page. But the key of that conversation is to share like what's going on right now is I don't want us to be in this. So sometimes like Sergio might be assuming, oh, Caroline's just like, we're not having sex. She's okay with that. And shoot, now I'm feeling a little bit nervous at like, does she not care? Does she not want it like in the way that I do? And so if you're able to talk openly and say like, what's going on right now, it's not the ideal for me. I can't wait until we're back into our own space and we have that privacy and we can reconnect. So just knowing 
that your partner wants things to be different can help the two of you feel connected even during a tough period. So tell us other (laughs) tricks and tips and sort of, you know, love language for people, how to get it back on track. How do you sort of initiate? Because it's hard when you're used to each other, then getting that spark back. Mm hmm. So one of the things that that you guys also brought up was this idea of like creating the space for sex too. So most of us, you know, we have this idea that we're not supposed to talk about it. And the other big thing that we always see in TV and movies is that it just happens, right? Like you just magically, you look each other in the eye, there's like the look, and then you're running off into the bedroom seconds later. But the reality is, you know, most of us lead very full and busy lives. And if we just wait for sex to just happen, we are going to be doing a whole lot of waiting. (laughs) So it won't happen. And that's, that's the case for pretty much any couple. So we have to be more intentional about creating like a little bit of space and energy. And again, this is another great reason why talking about sex throughout the day, having that little flirtation with each other, the, oh, I was remembering the time like last week that we you know, were connecting, that can feel really fun. And then a super practical tip is don't save it for the very end of the night. Because when you are crawling into bed after a long day, you're exhausted, you just want to turn on the TV or scroll through your phone or just plain pass out, like you are not going to have sex. We are at not that having time. sex tonight, I can assure you. <laughs> you I know, yeah, we have dinner, then we go 4 out. 4 a.m. Then movie, then it's 2 a.m. And I'm like, honey, like I literally got to move. I'm so tired. We're going to have sex now. So, so how can a couple yeah. get in the mood together then? Okay. So one of the things that you want to do is figure out what are the specific things that help you get in the mood. And this is another conversation that like most couples have never had. It sounds like a really straightforward question, right? But most couples have never talked about it. So what is it that you need to feel interested in being with your partner? Is it that you like to have some sort of physical contact with them? Okay. So you could come up with your whole long routine and maybe, you know, once a month or something like that, Sergio could go to the effort of setting up the whole thing, but you could also come up with the express version of, okay, we're tired. We don't have a lot of time, but like what's something, what are some smaller things? So maybe it's, I love when you just give me compliments about the way that I look, or I love when you take care of some responsibilities around the house without being asked. I don't know. It's Christmas, my birthday, and maybe something else. It's absolutely horrible. She doesn't even tell me anything if I look good today. Like there's nothing nice coming out of that mouth. (laughs) <laughs> I'm English. <laughs> so, yeah, my guess is like, Caroline, do you like receiving Listen, compliments? Listen, she says no all the time, but I know she loves them because every, I think maybe five to ten minutes, there's something nice coming out of my mouth. The thing is, yes, he's he's Latin. I'm English. We are worlds apart. I also believe that, you know, as you said, like if I'm staying in someone's house, I'm not doing naked cartwheels around the li- living oh, room. Oh, because the actually owner of the house was gone for two weeks. Yeah. But anyway, I think, I think I do like, I do, do I give compliments? I mean, no, not really. No, no, I will. I will. I'm going to, must be better. This is something, yeah, this is something that we used to struggle with too. Yeah. I mean, I, so I think the thing with, with this is, you know, it's, it's kind of like the love languages. We, you know, we all like to receive love or to kind of, to get turned on in different ways. And when we don't talk about what it is that, that, you know, what it is that my partner wants, we tend to assume that, you know, our partner is going to want it the same way that we would want it for ourselves. So I'm hearing Sergio saying that you, you love, you would love receiving compliments. 
And you probably, you know, since you love compliments, you also love complimenting her, but perhaps compliments aren't the thing that really fires her up. And so it's, it's taking the time to figure out what is it that is going to move the needle the most for her. So like in our relationship. If I leave for all week, maybe I come back and there's just a sex opportunity down there. <laughs> no, we, we like you. This is interesting <laughs> because in my last marriage, you know, we had a lot of time apart. We worked together as well as live together, as well as like we're together 24 hours. And actually that's interesting because clearly you two are as well. So how do you get to the stage where you can at least miss each other? Because I don't, I don't, you know, I take him for granted. For sure. Well, actually, before we move on, like going back to the compliments thing, I think, Sergio, one thing that you could do is come up with a handful of compliments that you would love to hear from her. Because if she's not naturally a compliment oriented person, like it's just not going to come naturally to her. Like she's like, so you give them to her. Tell her, like, I would really love to hear this compliment from you or you to talk about this thing, you know, about me. So that way she has specific examples. And then one thing that we didn't, that Xander did in our relationship, because I love receiving compliments too. And I just Xander was not. Yeah, yeah. I just don't, I just don't think about it. It's not the first thing that comes to my mind. It's, he literally made calendar reminders for himself. He put it in his calendar, like reminder to give Vanessa a compliment. And so he did that for a while and it just reminded him. And now he doesn't do it anymore, but now he's like been doing it for a while. So he has the habit. So just setting yourself up for success in that way, like little calendar reminder, nothing wrong with that. So what's your, what's yours then, Zander? What's your love language? Uh, so I love, I love physical touch. So I love it when she gives me a hug, when she cuddles me. And I am not naturally a cuddly, like physically affectionate person. I would pay anything for Caroline to touch me, just cuddle mm -hmm. me, to just feel that like, just like a little ring mm -hmm. like through my arm. It would be amazing. He wants a cuddle. So, yeah. When I'm in the middle Again, of a house move. Again, here we can move. get practical. Like, because I'm not a cuddly person, Xander had to tell me, like, what are your, like, I asked him, like, what are your favorite ways for me to touch you? And so for him, his favorite thing is when I give him a hug out of nowhere. When I'm so, least expecting it. Yeah. So now, like, I know something specific to do. So I'm not just sitting around being like, oh, I don't, I don't know. Like, does that count? Like, <laughs> I just poke at you. It's a touch. So when we, when we get into specifics, that helps us show each other love and initiate this, you know, sex mm. in the way that is really going to be meaningful. Don't you feel ridiculous walking around and then throwing yourself on him? It's the most beautiful thing in the planet, honey. I feel ridiculous. <laughs> well, because he gives me really great feedback and praise when I do it. Like he lights up when I give him a hug and he's like, oh, that was so nice. Thank you for he doing that. that. The so moment it's just, Caroline does that to me, I will fly. I will <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I'm writing down my homework. For God's sake, I've got so much work to do. I wish so you weren't in this. I'm like, oh, <laughs> so you, whole you have job. to give her lots of positive feedback and affirmation. Like, I appreciate, I saw that you made that effort. You did it. I really appreciate it. Sometimes it's just, it's something the, like this. And I see it and I tell her, I'm like, oh my God, honey, you actually did that. But then the problem is things come in here and it can fly over here. So she doesn't really remember. So she needs some calendar reminders for a little while. No shame in the reminders. Like it's just not our yeah. natural. If it's not your natural way of showing love, you're not going to naturally just think about it. So we have to remind ourselves and like create that habit. Yeah, but you will. You will create a habit over over time. It took me a mm -hmm. couple of months of that reminder because I was just like, you know, the you know, I'm like, how is this compliment really going to make that big of a difference for her? Like, it, it seemed like cheating, almost like it's too easy. But the reality is, 
it is easy for her because that's what lights her up. And so it's, there's no shame in doing the things that, you know, for me, it feels too easy for her. It makes a huge difference. So yeah, why not? Why not do that? thing? So let me ask you then for other couples, because again, I, I find it a lot easier to have these conversations with him. I would never have done this in my first marriage. And a lot of people that get married young, they're scared to have these conversations. How do you, because women do change, you know, like when I was in my twenties, I could have had, it didn't matter to me, the sex life, right? I didn't even know what good sex really was because, you know, no one's told you and you don't know what's possible, right? And then when you're in your forties or thirties, women sort of, you know, come into their own or see, you know, want other things, but then you've got into a routine with your husband. How do you tell your husband you want something different without breaking his heart. Because that's what I think a lot of women stop. They sort of, you know, it's when affairs happen, when they stop talking, they stop asking for things because they can ask a stranger, they can't ask their husband. Oh yeah. It's such a good question. So a lot of us, because we have this discomfort talking about sex, when we think about giving our partner feedback, it feels so negative and scary in our heads. Like that I would have to tell Xander, actually, I hate the way that you touch me. Like you really need to fix it. We need to improve it. It's terrible. Right. But obviously if I said it like that to him, that would break his heart and it would not feel good for either one of us. But the good news is that is not the only way to give feedback. So in sex talks, we walk through different ways to give feedback that actually feel so much better and more motivating. So one particular way to start is to think about something that your partner is already doing right and ask for more of that. So you'll find that like for most requests that you have of your partner, there is a way to kind of reframe it so that you're focusing on something positive. So here's an example. Like a lot of women will complain to us, oh, my partner goes so quickly into intercourse. It's like we're kissing for 20 seconds and then he's climbing on top of me. And I'm like, whoa, buddy, like slow down here. So again, obviously if I were to say, you have to slow down, it drives me nuts. I hate it when you jump right to sex. Such a turn off. Obviously it's going to break his heart. (laughs) But if I were to tell him something like, you know, it turns me on so much when you go slow. Like you're so sexy when you're just kissing me and touching me and like build up that tease. And Mm. I just like cannot wait. So that obviously is going to make him feel like a freaking hero. Like he's like, oh, I'm doing it right. I do know the things to do. Like, Mm. you know, she likes it when I do that. So it's, it's again, specifics. It's all about specifics, like telling him something that I want him to do, but framing it in this way of like, oh, it turns me on so much when you do this. You're such a good Mm -hmm. kisser. It's, you know, you're so sexy when you go slow like that. Yeah. And then the next time, you know, if, you know, when they do go slower next time, then you give a ton of praise. Oh my God, that was like, wow, Mm -hmm. that really turned me on. Like that just drives me crazy when you do that. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the sex that we have afterwards is so much better. So it's that you know, continual reinforcement of, of the positive things to try to start moving, shifting things in the direction that are going to work for you. I mean, everybody likes to be told, you know, something that they're doing right or something that they like and just hearing, I mean, when you hear your partner say like, it turns me on so much when you do X, Y, Z, like you feel like you've already won. Right. I think it's so complicated as you know, in, in a, in a couple, just to get that trust, to be able to express yourself you know, how you feel, like when you are in bed naked, you know, talking about feelings, very... Well, also you have the added stress of being so much younger that you, you know, that must, that must sort of hinder your... Yeah, I think it it helped a little bit to be younger because I kind of like take it more fun. But I believe for like 
if you are on your 40s or 50 and you've been married like 20 years, how I'm going to tell, you know, my wife, listen, why don't you just do this the other way? It's just, it's very well, there's an, here's another fun way that you can do it. Like, let's say that there's something that you, your partner hasn't done for a while that you're really missing. You can call back like one of those favorite memories that you had, like say like, oh, you know what I was just thinking about the other day, or I had a dream about this last night, or it just popped into my head. Like that time that we were on that trip to Italy and we were in that hotel room. Remember what we did? You know, so you're like, you're bringing it back in this playful and fun way. And you'd be like, wouldn't it be hot if we did that tonight again? Yeah. But again, it's oh, not a good. like... God, you haven't, you know, you haven't done that thing that I like in so many years and I'm sick of the sex that we're having. You know, it's, you're not saying it in a negative way. It's like this exciting, like, oh, that was so fun when we used to do that. And so what would you say or how do you think, as I said before, like to increase someone's sex drive? If, if, if one of you's waning, you just feel like finding different, maybe because they've got too much into a routine. How do you break that routine is really my, my question. Because most people sort of settle into a routine. They have their two or three favorite moves and then they sort of like uh-huh. zonk out. If you don't, it will never happen. That's what I've seen, you know, and it's my second year of marriage, you know. So I can imagine if you are like 10 years in, like if you actually don't make the effort to, to have sex, it's just not going to happen. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I did 18 years. So I understand that, you know, anyone over that sort of you get used to things, you know, you know exactly what's going to happen, you you know, and, and how it's going to go down. Yeah. Sex talks is all about like the five conversations that we think every couple should have that are just going to transform your sex life. And so the fifth conversation is called exploration. What do we try next? So research has shown that when we do need new things with our partner inside and outside of the bedroom, it helps us see our partner in a new light. It lights up our brains. Like we get so excited. Our brains just love that novelty. And so continually like adding new things into the bedroom. And it doesn't need Mm -hmm. to be anything huge or big. Sometimes it can be as simple as, hey, we've been doing the same sex position a bunch of times. Like, let's switch it up and do a different position. But regularly trying new things together is going to keep that excitement alive because there is this really important connection that most people overlook between our desire for sex and our enjoyment of it. So low sex drive is the number one complaint that people have. Like, I don't have any desire. I never seem to want it. And we always ask them, well, tell us about the sex that you're having then. And they'll usually describe like, well, it's very routine. It's pretty boring. Exactly what you just described, Carolyn, about, Mm -hmm. you know, it's been a number of years. We have this narrow routine of Mm -hmm. things and it's not very pleasurable for me. So then we ask them like, well, why would you crave that? If you know exactly what's coming, if it's not a super enjoyable thing for you, why would you crave it? It doesn't make any sense. So a lot of sex drive issues are actually more about enjoyment issues. If we increase the enjoyment of sex, the novelty of it, the excitement of it, then you're going to feel your desire for it naturally start to increase. Yeah, I mean, it's the same. It's like the same idea with food. If you eat the same thing for dinner every night and it's really boring. I'm eating like steamed broccoli or something like that every single night, day in and day out. <laughs> you're you're not going to ever be like, god, like how come I how come I'm not craving that steamed broccoli? I want it so bad. Like you're probably just like, oh, this this sucks. It's the <laughs> same thing. It's really boring. It's not very tasty. So, but 
yeah, like, so you're never going to be excited about eating that. But if you have some variety and every, you know, every week you're going to have one really fancy dinner, you're probably going to start craving that fancy dinner. You recommend that in the new house that we're building, we should try in every area and room in the house, right? I think that's a good idea. <laughs> Thank you for that. Are you listening, honey? I'm listening. This morning, he tried taking me around the whole house and letting me know where we will be doing it. So if people come and see you, so you do one-on-one -on -one therapy or is it like couples therapy? How does it work? We've actually transitioned our business to being exclusively online guides and courses. So people can sign up for it. They can access it immediately, look at it from the privacy and the comfort mm -hmm. of their own home. So we have guides from everything to foreplay. We have our like ultimate foreplay guides. We have next level intercourse. We have sex and connection What's challenges. What's next like level intercourse? Things. Yeah, we might have to do yeah, that. Yeah, so here's a really interesting tidbit. So we polled our Instagram audience. We asked women from a purely physical standpoint is intercourse your favorite activity and 91% of women said no and so we thought like hmm there are some issues going on with how people have intercourse a lot of women tell us when they have intercourse it feels like it's all about the man it's just about his pleasure it's over when he's done and so we wanted to create this guide that talks about how to balance pleasure during intercourse and make sure that woman in male female relationships is feeling just as pleasured and satisfied so that goes into positions and different techniques all kinds of fun stuff to make that 91% number change <laughs> 91% that's insane i learned it's such a like is you're always learning, you know, when you are like, yeah, it's just crazy. Like, it's so beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, of course, it makes a lot of sense. then. if 91% of women aren't liking the main activity that men and women do when they have sex, like, of course, we have this crisis of low sex drive, you know, go back to that enjoyment issue. If I'm not enjoying it, why am I going to crave it? So women prefer the foreplay, obviously. So then how does that work? So it's sort of, you what what do you suggest then to to do that so that it always starts with the foreplay and then goes into sex for women so the main thing that comes up with women is that we just need to treat women's bodies the same way as we treat men's bodies so for men the most sensitive part of their body is the penis for us women the most sensitive part is the clitoris but when we have intercourse the way most people have it they're having hardly any clitoral stimulation. So I always like to make this funny comparison, like from a, a pleasure standpoint, intercourse for a woman is like playing with a man's balls. Which is nice. It's for a minute. I might get hard, <laughs> but if you keep doing it, it's not going to last very long. I'm definitely not going to orgasm, right? Like it's just, it's a tease. So <laughs> the solution is we need to create more clitoral stimulation. Obviously foreplay can make that really easy because you can just use your hands, your mouth, you can use toys, but during intercourse, you can also incorporate clitoral stimulation as well. So we, we just need to think of the clitoris like we would think of the penis. Like, would I expect it to be super pleasurable to him that I'm touching everything, but not his penis? Like, no, of course not. I mean, on that note, it's, uh, a good place to leave this, I think, because, <laughs> uh, well, it's late. We're going upstairs. Well, I've learned a lot, actually. I want to go in and, and understand this course. Yes. Can yeah. you tell everybody how they can sort of find your courses and what's the best way to sort of learn these techniques? Because I really do think that more people should discuss this and especially as, as couples, because I th it's just been too taboo for too long. 
Yeah. So you can find all of our guides and courses at vmtherapy.com. It's my initials, vmtherapy.com. And then we also have our book, Sex Talks, that will guide you through those five conversations. It's really fun read. That is at sextalksbook.com. And then you can find us over on Instagram and TikTok at Vanessa and Xander. That's Xander with an X. And yeah, we we do stories every day. We've got a lot of fun stuff going on over there. Thank you so much for joining us. I think a lot of people out there will find this very interesting and hopefully come over and find you guys. Thank you so much for coming on Divorce Not Dead. It's been brilliant and actually very well timed. So yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you for my own okay. therapy lesson. Thanks for having us. Yeah, you guys will have to report back. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Homework. I'm going to go and do my homework <laughs> after I've had a good sleep. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Divorce Not Dead. Tune in next Wednesday for a new episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear from you. Follow me on social media at, at Caroline Stanbury for all the behind the scene action. 